Hello and welcome. This is episode 20 of Everything Geek, and I'm Tony Tolato from SciFiTalk.com. And joining me, I'm kind of going to go to the other way, is Justin Cavender from GeekLegacy.com. Hello. Hey. And also... <laughs> what up? What up? What's up? Uh, and also we have uh, Tim Byers of TheFullBleed.net. Lurking in the background, eh? Hey, guys. All right. So uh, we we kind of didn't do March because uh, we're, we're busy. So yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. But uh, here we are, uh, and this is No April Fool, so we're, uh, we're going at it. Um, there's a lot to talk about uh, this month. Let's talk about the pop culture stuff, and then we'll get into what's kind of going on with, uh, you know, what we talked briefly, touched briefly in some of the podcasts, the Geek initiative, and also, uh, in my case, about uh, getting a mobile site, uh, you know, uh, to get your site mobile ready. So that's uh, been something that I've been working I worked on a, a little bit in this month as well. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's let's start with the, the finales. Uh, Walking Dead. Uh, I mean, it was... It was, a, it was a pretty good finale. I really liked it. I, I, I liked... Uh, I don't know if I should spoiler, but I will say that to this, Tim, there is a major character that returns uh, at the end of the episode. So yeah, some... I kind of figure. I think I know. I think I know who it is. <laughs> but maybe just for the listeners, we can kind of leave. You know, the, the viewers and the listeners, we can leave it hidden. But they've been kind of building up to a return, and then I, I feel like I don't know. Justin needs to weigh in on this, but I also feel like we were talking off air. I feel like they're building up to some major developments that readers of the comics will either love or hate. Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah, I, I agree. Justin, you've seen it uh, like I have. Uh, what, what were your feelings on the finale? Oh, I loved it. I, uh, you know, I'm kind of weird. Like, I, I prefer closure in my finales versus cliffhangers. Me too. But I kind of got a mix of both <laughs> with this one. So I was totally okay with it. Um, I, I enjoyed it, man. They had some pretty intense moments, some some booby traps, some chases in the woods, and some downright uh, uh, crazy tribunal action <laughs> that ended with a bang. And I was uh, I was impressed. I enjoyed it. Can I ask I, both of you guys a question yeah. on this? Do you think because remember at last year's San Diego, and I know we'll probably get into this, but Scott Kimple and Robert Kirkman both said that this year would bring The Walking Dead to a whole new level of crazy. Do you think they made good on that based yes. on what you saw? Yes. And I say yes because it has it started off being really enjoyable, like with the whole like getting out of Terminus and, and all kinds of crazy killing. And then it took us to a, a really low point with the deaths of, of three players on the, on the show. Yeah. Uh, almost one right after another. Yeah. yeah. Pretty intense. And then we got a little ray of sunshine with <laughs> with uh, Alexandria. And so I think we started off high, got really, really low, and then it ended on a high note. So I think that it was a, a pretty intense roller coaster. And this was one of my favorite seasons, actually. What do you think, Tony? I, I agree. I thought the, uh, the writing was good. And it was interesting... Uh, the two seasons and how they were split up were almost like watching two different seasons. 
I mean, you had the Terminus storyline, as you mentioned, to kick off the season, yep. and and then just kind of being out on the road, and then kind of discovering uh, this pseudo police uh, uh, hospital uh, state uh, going right. on, and uh, and also uh, finding one of their own that uh, had had gone, uh, although all too briefly. Uh, and then the deaths were uh, intense, uh, you know, losing her, losing Tyrese, uh, were were uh, were tough deaths. And then, uh, you know, it was uh, it was it was an interesting the way it was done. And I liked the second half of the season where it almost started off with a little misdirection. Uh, you're seeing things out of sequence a little bit. And you're filling in the blanks on your own, and it is actually some detours. Uh, so, and even in the finale, there were some detours given there as well that kind of uh, steered you away from what you thought was going to happen and then actually happened. I, I think, I agree with Justin, I think it was one of their best seasons ever. And I think that the writing and the acting has really gotten to a new level. Uh, the supporting characters have gotten more to do. I think Michonne has grown. Carl has certainly grown. Yeah. And and Rick to some extent too. So all the characters are are more developed than when this journey started. So I I have high hopes for season six, and of course now we have uh, the spinoff this summer, Fear the Walking Dead, that'll be coming up. Right. Well, it's a now, terrible title, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is. It is a horrible title. <laughs> you know what the business question is here? I mean, and it's it's kind of interesting. So we're on our third showrunner, right? Five mm -hmm. seasons, three showrunners. Yep. Darabont, yep. you know, um, it is uh, first season and got into, you know, AMC got into whether justified or not. I think part of it certainly is. Legal hot water with, with Darabont. Then uh, Mazzara is, you know, did his stint. He's gone. Yep. And now Gimple, who started on the show as a writer, is, you know, put together both. And I think I agree with you guys that this is has been one of the better seasons, although there was a moment there where I was completely, I had one of our buddies, Dave Edmondson, who's calling it a joyless show. And I was getting kind of sick of that. Like it was, yeah. they were just beating me over the head every week and I couldn't watch it. It was driving yeah. me mad. So now I'm really looking forward to these last two episodes because I'm two episodes behind as, as we shoot this. But can they keep Scott Gimple, you know, a guy who's been writing, he's got a history with the show. Um, AMC can't really afford to lose yet another showrunner on their no. most important property. No. So, I mean, what do you think? Can they, is this the guy? Is this like the next five seasons are Scott Gimple seasons? Well, I don't know if they're going to do five seasons. I, I think they'll probably I think do they a few They've more. They've talked about ten. They, really? Yeah. Wow. You know, there was really? one point at which Josh Stephen, <laughs> the CEO of AMC, said we could do ten years of zombie, you know, zombie stories. So that's wow. ten seasons. So I mean, I'm ballparking it, but I mean, he said it, so I, I think that's a reasonable target. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's hard to keep anything going for 10 seasons. So story-wise, uh, I guess with the comic, they'll be able to borrow. Uh, we've already gotten an inkling, like we did last year in Terminus, uh, of what's coming up. And uh, I guess the W is a big uh, clue for those who've read the comics right there on the on the zombies or the walkers. So, uh, yeah, the, the, actually, Norman Reedus just said in, in an article I reblogged that the, uh, 
that the wolves are a whole bunch of Daryls all put together. So, you know, it's, hope, but not with his compassion, obviously, that he's gotten. But it should be interesting to, to see where this is going to go. But that looks like that's on the horizon, and uh, that's how season six will uh, will kick off. And and I think there'll be some changes in Alexandria because of what happened in the finale too. Uh, you know, so they 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 are uh, very inexperienced as to what's going on. And Rick made a hell of a great dramatic entrance at the end. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. So, oh my God, Tim, this is I. I... <laughs> Without spoiling anything, there is literally a part where he sticks a gun so far up a zombie's, like, skull. Like, I thought that just the pressure of applying a gun through its head was going to, like, just damage the brain to where the zombie would stop. But he decides to shoot anyway, and it's just like, this geyser of grossness. Oh, I was that, like, oh my god, this is the best show ever. <laughs> that has got to be one of the most disgusting kills I've ever seen on that show. Oh, man. It oh, was amazing. It well, was amazing. You know what's funny is um, when, I, when season two came out, I remember not really liking it. But then after re-watching it, I, I really enjoyed the slow burn. I thought it yeah. was a lot more fun the second time around. Yeah, and, and actually, I enjoy season two more than I enjoyed season three, mainly because I hated the Andrea character, mm. and I didn't like how she took a stance against, you know, the, the her original group, and I didn't like the whole governor thing, and it was just that left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, mm. But I think it's weird how you know we're talking about Darabont, and I I really enjoyed the first. Um, two seasons, looking back. I, I think that they'll always be kind of a staple for me in, in, in how cool the show is. Yeah, I agree. And I think in, in terms of... I still believe, like, the slow burn, if they didn't have the slow burn, that monstrous scene at the barn with Sophia is not as powerful. And right. for, and that, that, was the, that was the first time that I had ended watching The Walking Dead, and I went immediately to Twitter. Even though I, I, I loved it, I wrote, like, fuck you, Robert Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> and then I qualified it, because it's a great show, but, it, like, it impacted me that much. Right. I put it out on, on Twitter. And, and I think he appreciates that, because that is the... The show is about the deep emotional resonance of having to make horrible choices in a world where all you really have are less horrible choices. Right. And there are two things going on in that scene. One is where Herschel, who believes that these people are just sick, and he's right. watching these people in his mind, you know, get murdered. Right. And then right. at the same time, you have the other group that's just, like, doing what they think is best for the group, and they're just, like, firing squad, annihilating. And then yep. the final nail in the coffin that just wakes up everybody is poor little Sophia, and then it shows Rick Shooter, and it's so brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's just, and it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This can't be happening. This is, And it goes on, and you feel like this 30-second scene is going on for, for five minutes. When The yeah. Walking Dead is at its best, it has that kind of deep emotional resonance. Yeah. And good on AMC that they let the you know, they let the guys do that. I, I you know, to their credit, I still think that AMC is every bit as good as HBO in the sense of letting a creator 
express exactly what they want to express yeah. and, and push the boundaries on standards and practices. Good on them. I, it's, it, it sounds like this show has ended on a very high note, so I'm looking forward to seeing the end there. Yeah, it really did, and I was just really impressed. Uh, you know, talking about what's aired so far, uh, yeah, I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for seasons one and two, uh, and especially the uh, as far as gross kills, that zombie in the well is the one that'll stand out. <laughs> oh to me. yeah, that was bad. So disgusting. That chubby bunny at the bottom that gets. Oh <laughs> man, that was absolutely gross. There's no yeah, it was. About it. Yeah. Uh, what's what's also happened is really the development of Greg Nicotero into a top-notch director. Agreed. You know, he uh he opened this season and he closed it. And uh his directing style I think has gone from leaps and bounds from what it when he first started. Uh and the cool thing is that he designs this really cool makeup uh for the shows he directs that are out of the ordinary and there's some there's some pretty gross ones in uh, in the finale too that I really enjoyed, but uh, but he as you know he really going the there were touches this season of almost an independent feel, a film feel to it that I really dug and uh, I'm just I think they really took it up a notch this season and I think the ratings reflect that I mean they they were they were actually beating NFL football for a while so <laughs> that's amazing yeah you know why. Do you know why you think it had that independent feel? I, I think because um, they were in the woods a lot. And when yeah. you're in the woods, you're able to play with, like, the lighting and just, like, the, the exposure. Yeah. Mm. And that totally reminded me of, like, some art house <laughs> movie when I was watching yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Funny how that works. And, and also the way the the, uh, the opener was edited, you know, out of sequence a little mm -hmm. bit. And there were, like, close-ups of different, you know, different little things to to kind of get your attention. And as it turned out, they were all uh, important things right. on there. So, uh, yeah, I think this, this season kicked it up, and I'm really looking forward. And the new show, I don't know if Gimple is running it. I'll have to look into that. I don't think I don't so. Know. I don't yeah. think so. It's, it's, um, it, Kirkman is involved with I, – I, I don't know if his partner from Skybound, the, the comics imprint, is is involved? I I feel like he is. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly who's yeah. who's show running Fear of the Walking Dead. But I want to throw one more thing out to you guys to sure. see what your reaction is based on that independent comment. My feeling is that since they finally found a, a writer who's been involved in the show and clearly loves the medium and loves, you know, the the material. It seems to have amped up the property to levels we haven't yet seen and didn't know was possible. Yeah. That kind of has a Marvel feel to me. Not in the same genre, obviously, but if you look at the way the Marvel films are developed, they have a history of bringing in people who love the material and who are experienced in a certain style of things that they do. They're all writers, and they're all really good at what they do. Gimple sort of seems to have brought some of that to The Walking Dead, or am I wrong? Do you think that's a fair comparison? I think it's fair. Uh, I, you know, I, I think they've kind of uh, stretched the boundaries of what television, you know, is uh, as, as series television and pushed it. I, I'm very, very pleased with the writing and his show running. I think he, uh, I think he's really tapped into the actors and their strengths. And I think it's a well-oiled machine right now, and uh, I think 
I think only up is the way it's going to go. I, I expect even more on season six. And uh, they, what I've read comments is, this is what we always do is that every year we kind of reinvent the wheel. But that's the way we keep the show fresh. And if they take that approach again, I think we'll have a really great season coming up. Mm. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I'm, I think that that's fair. But at the same time, there were moments when I thought that people died just for the sake of shock factor. And mm. I don't think it... I think it hurt the story more than helped. Like mm. in the case of Beth, I felt like sh that didn't need to happen. At least yeah. if she was going to die, not that way. It was absurd to be following her this whole time, let her go to be her own character and develop, and then just in the last five seconds of the episode ever get shot. <laughs> I thought that was dumb. Yeah. I, I felt like if they were going to kill her, then maybe she should have got away. Then we would have had a few more episodes to get invested in her and then have her get killed. And um, that really bothered me. I, it just, I, I felt like they were just doing that just to remind us that not everyone's safe because now they got all these extra characters on the show. And um, I don't know, that, that didn't sit well with me. Not that I even really cared for Beth all that much, but I was starting to because she was getting these episodes. Yeah. And um, when I just when I thought I was getting invested, I ended up not having to worry about it, and that kind of irritated me. Felt mm. like a clearance sale. Everything yeah. must go. <laughs> exactly. Everything Every must go. Must go. <laughs> exactly. No. I, I thought uh, Tyrese's death was handled very well. I yes, really absolutely. Well I did too. Yeah. And materially different from what happens in the comics but in a really good way. Yeah, yeah. And there is one more, but uh, since you haven't seen it, Tim, we don't want to spoil it. No, I, I kind of figure, I've, I've got some ideas of, of what's happening, I kind of figured that's coming, because it's, you know that the way they've depicted Alexandria, this is where I believe the show has weaved in the comics in a very good way. In yeah. the comics, the way it unveils is Alexandria is safe, but mysterious, and vulnerable, and so it's not safe for very long. And yeah. so they've had all of this terrible stuff happen to them, and then they get to Alexandria, and then you think that there's some relief, and it the comic goes to an entirely different level of crazy after that that culminates just mm -hmm. this last year yeah. with them actually accelerating. It was, I don't know I, I, if I would call it innovative, but... Kirkman and Charlie Adler made a deliberate decision to accelerate the delivery of story because they had amped up the crazy. So instead of yeah. waiting a month, they went to weekly on a temporary basis for this series called All Out War. And so they had fans in an absolute frenzy that I haven't seen outside of TV or movies. So people were going into the comic shop, and if you didn't go in... If you weren't a Wednesday warrior, you you were not get or had it on your pull list. You were not getting The Walking Dead during All Out War unless yeah. you went to one of the superstores that was over ordering. So I feel like this is in a good way. They they have sort of modeled some of borrowed from the comics in a in, in an interesting way by making Alexandria feel safe, but nah, not not really that safe. So I, yeah. I'm kind of expecting some brutality at the end of the season here when I finish it. I've kind of enjoyed Carol's uh, Betty Crocker slash yeah. kind yeah. of serial killer. Uh, right. You, know, you get that you serial know. killer right underneath while she's yeah. making cookies. 
yeah. you know, with the sweater and everything, and she's like, uh, you know, it's right. baking cookies, and then she uh, she has such a great scene in the in the last episode that is worth uh, the price of admission. I bet. And actually, also, Abraham was cool, too, kind of seeing him get his mojo back, kind of being a natural leader like he is, and I enjoyed seeing that, too. So yeah, some good things. And and, and uh, Chandler Riggs is Carl, uh, kind of finding people his own age, you know, other kids, and, uh, and sort of going on uh, as close to a date as you can get in the zombie apocalypse. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. But, yeah, I mean, I think all the characters have grown... Uh, I, Rick continues to be the most interesting. The way he uh, kind of is really on the precipice of losing his humanity, and then, but also being uh, towards the end the voice of reason and really kind of telling it like it is what this world is like. And I think because he has lost so much, and he also, I mean, the the theme of this show is the biggest threat here is not the walkers; it's the people that are right. Left. Right. right. That, Absolutely. There are worse things than zombies than a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> Bingo. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Justin, I know we, we've just had WonderCon uh, as we taped this. It was last weekend. Uh, I know you didn't go, but some of the Geek Legacy crew was there. And uh, what uh, what was your reaction? Uh, yeah, they had a they had a pretty good time. Um, I know that they saw footage from uh, the new Mad Max movie, Fury Road, and uh, whether the movie does good or bad in the box office, they definitely enjoyed what they saw. Okay. Um, as oh, nice. As footage goes. That's good. Yes. <laughs> and um, let's see what else is going on. Um, I know they did some kind of roundtable with uh, with Gotham folk. Oh, good. Yeah, so there was that, and then they mainly just hung out. It was a very low-key event, apparently. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of industry folks showed up, so uh, they just kind of walked around and had a good time. But I, I understand that um, several key players in the comic book industry weren't there, as far as like uh, publishers go. So like um, hmm. uh, DC, Marvel, uh, Dark Horse, they all just didn't have really a presence there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like other ones like uh, IDW and Valiant, a lot of the indie, a lot of the independent folks uh, were definitely there. Oh, good. So that's good. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good books, especially coming out of Valiant these days. You know, they got their, and their what is it like the 25th anniversary thing yeah, going on right now. <laughs> so they're doing a convention tour that includes yeah. Denver uh, next month. So yeah, they're doing the uh, the indie circuit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of uh, Denver, Tim, you had that coming up for you. Yeah, that's that's the end of May. But just before we we move off of WonderCon completely, it just yeah. quickly they they did show like, and I think you guys, I think Geek Legacy and I haven't posted it yet, but um, and Sci-Fi Talk both have the Flash sizzle reel. So they sent it yeah. around to us. Warner sent it around to uh, to all of us, and I haven't watched it yet. But did you guys have a chance to take a peek? I did. Does it look good? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. This show yeah. has been killing it. I mean, I, I and I and I guess yeah. just as before I get get to Denver, I, I I just a quick aside for me. So I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday who's a huge Flash fan, and I'm a big Green Arrow fan. And I I've got a bunch of Green Arrow comics. I, I've always loved Arrow. I think it's a great show. But like he's on the phone, he's apologizing to me. He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I just think the Flash is 
is better than Arrow most weeks. So don't apologize, man. I still really <laughs> like Arrow, but I think The Flash is killing it. I think yeah. they're destroying it, and the numbers are solid. The yep. strategy with The Flash to use The Flash, basically use Barry to expand, kind of like the center point now. The Arrow is sort of on the fringe. It sort of started it, but now The Flash has become, I mean, to use... Where they set the, the the show, Central City is the center of the DC televised universe now, and they're expanding outward. And I think it's smart, and I think they're just killing it with the way they're they're revealing characters. Absolutely, uh, there was a nice little segment with uh, with the Adam, uh, Ray Parker, and uh, I think that's his name. Anyway, Ray Palmer. Uh, Palmer. Uh, Palmer, excuse me. And not, uh, not, anyway, not ghost, not Ghostbusters. Not Ghostbusters, <laughs> no. And also. Uh, you know, Mr. Grodd made a, a nice little cameo, too, in the sizzle. So that was – and I'll tell you, from what we saw, he looks awesome. Yeah. Sorry, Justin, I, I, you have some comments, too. Oh, no, it's it's fine. Uh, just the, the last thing on – because I want to talk about both of these things. But uh, WonderCon is actually going to be moving from Anaheim now. I don't know if yes. you guys saw That's going to be going yeah, to L.A. Yeah, yeah. I read it on my site, yeah. It's kind of weird because they already have a couple of conventions here oh, as it is. Uh, like, you know, they'll be having kamikazes hosted there. I think there's already uh, an L.A. Comic-Con of some sort. And then yeah. and now also WonderCon. That's a lot of action going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I just found out from some one of my contacts here that New York Comic-Con is having a June edition, too, which is kind really? of... Really? Yes, they are. So I wow. don't know who they're going to have, but I'm thinking of going and, and checking it out. You know, yeah, it's down the street, might as well, right? Give it yeah. a whirl, pop in. <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm at the uh, border of one river, and they're at the border of the other river, so it's really all the way across town. So you need a boat, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, you need a cab or uh, something like that. You know about a gondola? <laughs> a gondola might work. I mean, it'd be a long row if you did it yourself, I'll tell you that. Oh, you need an assistant. Yeah, you would. You would, you would need a whole... Uh, 300 crew are rowing for you to get there you. you there. there you go, whole team. And then as far as as far as Arrow and Flash goes, I think what I was getting kind of bored with Arrow this season, and I think part of that had to do with they didn't really figure out who the villain was going to be. There wasn't really a, a big bad presence. Agreed. And uh, it was just trying to find a place. You know, when the show first, when this season started, there was some, you know, we got to get Thea back, and then at the same time we had to worry about. Thea trying to figure out, you know, is, is she going to trust Malcolm Merlin and blah, blah, blah. And then you also had some Felicity-centric episodes. Right. Yep. And then you also had um, freaking Laurel trying to figure out if she's going to become Black Canary and, and, and taking on this mantle. And it was just too much going on in the first 12 episodes that I was – it wasn't the Arrow show. It was all of these support member or cast folk. Yeah. And, that's great, and I think they should all have their moments to shine, but that's just it. I think they should have moments and not whole episodes, and it was kind of boring to me. And uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's just – I think I actually fell asleep on like three different episodes. Really? This season, yeah. Wow. And it's not even on late. I'm just <laughs> – I'm just like <laughs> out of it. Well, but, I, you uh, know what? Now, now that it's moving forward, though, with, with the whole Ra's al Ghul, then now, now it's I, – I would say the last few episodes have been pretty good, so – I'm it's been better. It, yeah. It's been better, but I, I would absolutely agree with you that there is, um, you know, there's a huge difference between the way Ross has been presented as yeah. the big bad and the way Deathstroke 
became the yeah. big bad last season. Huge mm-hmm. difference between those two. And, you know, the gravitational pull of Deathstroke was so huge, it kept me on the edge of my seat all season long. And then um, Roz is sort of working in the background, lots of machinations. You know, Oliver is having lots of internal strife, lots of internal struggle. That's hard to depict on camera. Um, and, it, you know, it, it makes it a more subtle show. And when you juxtapose it with the night before, you have just badass action with the Flash. It's much more subdued. And right. so yeah. the Flash has set the bar so high that it's, it's tough to follow that. And I think Arrow is, is suffering from it a, a little bit, quite frankly. And, and not, that is not entirely fair. But at the same time, when you look at what the Flash is doing, I think the casting frankly, on The Flash has been brilliant. I love yep. Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold. Oh, I, mean, I mean, I think he's brilliant in that role. I love that guy in, in that role. Jeez, um, I, I mean, I like them all. I really yeah. do. I think The Flash has done such an amazing job. So I, partly I think Arrow has suffered from you know, having to follow a, to- a top show. But also I think Justin's totally right. I mean, it's, it's hard to have a subtle... Big bad. That's tough, man. It's hard yeah. to pull that off. It really is. I, I have to kind of go along with you guys, and I haven't watched it as religiously as you guys have, but what I've seen is uh, I, I see the flash, and I'm, like, totally thrilled, and Arrow, you know, just kind of... Uh, but, yeah, the Ra's al Ghul uh, storyline is it really picked up steam, so hopefully that'll happen. Have you, uh, have you guys seen the Supergirl costume? Yes. What's yeah. your what's your feeling on how she looks and I hate super anything. <laughs> <laughs> we I lost do, it. I do. <laughs> so like I love that. That's, that's a great woman to voice steal nothing. I don't like any of that. Uh, oh crap. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm ambivalent. I want to see how it I frankly, Tony, my only interest in Supergirl is how she plays in the arrow, the Arrowverse, for lack right. of a better phrase. Right. right. I, however, they make that work together. That's what I'm most interested in because I do think the way I, I, I think they're being very aggressive with the DC TV universe. I think they have a lot of options and they're exploring them. So part of me is like only interested in Supergirl as a business analyst, which is kind of stupid, but at the same time. Um, that's I, it. Feels like this is the strategy to expand the DC TV universe. So I'm interested to see what they do with it. Otherwise, I really just don't care about that character. So who does? Nobody. I don't people I don't do. Care about Supergirl. I mean, no one does. Like her. If you like Supergirl, write to me and tell me why. Uh, Justin, Justin at GeekLegacy.com, and I will <laughs> I will read your email on the air, and we can dis- dissect it. There you go. And all the problems with why you like it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I know they've uh, they've just cast Jimmy Olsen and also Dean Cain. Yep. Helen Slater are part of it, too. Uh, We don't know who they're playing, but I kind of have an idea. But uh, I I think it's, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And I think you're right. I think it will dovetail the uh, the DC television universe and also their plans on the uh, it's the Arrow Flash spinoff right they've already cast their Hawkgirl so uh, they're moving along with that too oh big time yeah they're moving yeah. very quickly and and 
you know, um, I gotta say, the cinematic universe—they gotta get their shit together because they do. They do. the TV universe is gonna take all the good characters, or at least yeah. all of the good second-tier characters, and there's not gonna be anything left for, well, it's for not the like, movies. It doesn't seem like they care because we now we have a new Flash that we're gonna have to worry about. Right? Yeah, Ezra uh, Miller. Right. Yeah. In the film. Yeah. Now yeah. let me ask you this: Do you think how 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 far away are we from like a critical mass with with genre programming, at least of superhero shows, we have there, there seems to be a lot now. We have like Gotham, Arrow, Flash. Yep. Now we're gonna have a Supergirl. We're gonna have this this Adam spinoff show. Uh, there's Constantine, maybe Constantine, Agent <laughs> Carter, Agents of Shield. That's that's like eight shows. How right. many, at what point are we gonna have too many? There's only these shows are only on during the first. Five days of the week, right? Monday through Friday. Is right. our DVR going to be full of just superhero shows? Is that is that how this is going to work? And and if and what happens if one of these shows fails? Do you think that they're going to maybe just take a step back and not pump out as many new shows as as? Well, that's the Hollywood formula. I mean, the Hollywood formula is to exploit, 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 exploit until it breaks. Yeah. And then whoa, way back. And then they slowly rebuild a few years later. So I expect there's going to be a thinning of the herd in like yeah. the next two to three seasons. Um, and not so, because yeah. the shows are bad, but because, like you just said, Justin, something fails. And I and the the one I don't think it's fair to call this one a, a failure because it's doing well, but it isn't getting, you know. Um, the mass recognition that every other superhero slash genre show is getting right now, which is powers, you know, on the yeah, PlayStation yeah. network. Um, yeah. I haven't gone beyond the first episode yet. I thought the first episode was pretty good. I didn't love it. I certainly didn't hate it. I thought it was a very nice premise. I think it builds on the comic very interestingly. So mm -hmm. it's something that I want to get to, but because yeah. of the way TV is orchestrated now between Netflix and now, you know, PlayStation Network, Hulu, and so forth, it's really easy to just, like, screw this, man. I'm just going to binge watch later. It's not like I don't want Gotham. It's just like, give it to me on Netflix, and when I can binge it, then I'll get to it. But, right, there's too many things I want to see right now. And the problem for that, business-wise, is that you have an uncomfortable bridge to make that work economically. Absolutely. If, if everything is batched, and it's in. It's like I like that show. There's an audience for it, but I'm not going to watch it until three months from now. Advertisers hate that, and they don't want to back it. So then, mm -hmm. what's the economic model that has a show with a following that is not going to be wide? That, that is a small but loyal following, and is not going to be watched immediately. Is always going to be binged. Is yeah. that always going to be Netflix? Is it always going to be Hulu? Or is it always going to be is it going to be something else entirely? I don't think we have the answer to that. So yeah. I, I do think something's going to fail in the while these things are developing, and then that's going to get studios like Justin just said, man. I I think they're just going to pull pull the ripcord, and then you know we'll be like, well, wait a minute, we didn't hate these shows. <laughs> Where'd they all go? Yeah. Well, I mean, this week, uh, as we tape this, uh, also Daredevil makes its premiere yes. on Netflix. And that looks, and that looks uh, fucking amazing. That Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It looks really good. It looks yeah. really good. And I love the premise, too. Like, did you guys get, like, the, the description, you know, so you know what their premise is? 
Why don't you go over, especially for our audience too, Tim? All right. So just the very. I'm not aware of it. So. Well, because I mean, you know, where you are, it's on the other side of town. You know, lower, uh, lower west side. You know, you're not exactly near Hell's Kitchen, Tony. But Hell's Kitchen isn't really Hell's Kitchen anymore. Like I mean. It's it's you know and what is it originally called Clinton isn't that what it's yeah, the area yeah. right it's, it's Clinton right. and then it, it, you know and they call it Hell's Kitchen but it's not really I mean it used to be but it's not really anymore and so the because of that dealing with the reality of that and not setting it back in like the 50s 60s 70s they're saying in the wake of the alien invasion of of Manhattan uh, things get just torn to pieces. And so what was Clinton is emerging as Hell's Kitchen. That's a great concept. It yeah. ties nicely into the MCU. Like it gives you a reason for the kingpin to exist in the first place. And because there's a kingpin, there can be a daredevil. So I love that. Yeah, very clear. I like that too. I think it's going to be great. I mean, the, the trailer has, has been awesome. And uh, that's the beauty of Netflix. And Tim, you're right. It, it that. Binge watching is destroying the mo- the business model for television. It's like, uh, I mean, the networks don't know what to do with that, and don't know what to do with demand. And uh, I know they must be reading the that what the downloads are, but you know, it's it, the the whole rating system is being shot to hell. It's just they don't know what to, it's, their shows being canceled, and canceled shows. Like all the Star Treks are doing phenomenal on Netflix. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. And you know what? And and here's the other thing to to consider that I think the studios are very nervous about, but the actors won't say anything about it. But I think soon we're going to get somebody who's going to break ranks on it and start talking about it. Actors don't like the network TV contract when it's compared to like the Netflix contract because there's something very different between saying, you know what? We're going to give you six months of guaranteed work. Really? That's amazing. Where do I sign? Yeah. Versus making a pilot. <laughs> exactly. You know, making a pilot and hoping for the best. That's you know, right. those two things are really different. And so that yeah. and that is a huge threat to the networks, which is why you're seeing a lot more announcements of straight to series. Not because these shows are amazing, but because you want to lock up an actor. Who is yeah. maybe getting an offer that there is no straight to series? We're not going to make a pilot. We have ordered 13 episodes that are going to appear on Netflix. Here's your contract. We're going to book you for the next six months. When you're an actor and you're getting a contract like that, it's just gold. Right. Yeah. And now, and now Netflix has an impressive track record with shows like totally. Orange Is the New Black. Yep. Fucking uh, House of Cards. Yep. Derek. All yep. those yep. shows. There. It's. It's. The potential is just ridiculous now. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The only thing that Netflix hasn't yet figured out, and, and I think they're going to figure out because they're going to have to. They're going to have to deal with you know, the various unions like the Writers Union and so forth on this. They haven't figured out residuals because there are no ratings to deal with. Mm-hmm. But the trade-off on that is, hey, look, you know, so you don't get any residuals, but we're going to hire you for six months and you're going to get a really fat check and guaranteed work. So do you want that or do you want the hope of residuals down the road? And right right now they are winning that argument over time. Will they continue to win that argument? I don't know. But if the networks don't have an answer, they're never going to have to have that argument. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so, I think the networks. Uh, I mean, the networks have been scrambling for years. First, there was cable, right. and then like this is like the last thing they need on top of that. Right. I mean, they people have been leaving. Uh, you know, broadcast television, if there is such a thing anymore, uh, <laughs> in droves to cable, and now uh, there's another alternative. And I don't know. I think more. I think more than enough people uh, either watch something on demand. Yep. As opposed to watching it live, and yep. I mean, how the networks counter it, and it's, it's uh, NBC does it, and Sci-Fi does it. Let's get the actors to tweet during the episode. Right, the like, live tweeting. Right, right. It's like, hey, that's nice, but you know, frankly, I'm not going to be home on a Friday night. I'll watch I'll watch Grimm on Saturday morning. Right. And I'll and I'll enjoy it just as much. Right. So, I mean, you know, my wife and I are pretty active, and uh, it's just easier for us to watch things. I mean, Walking Dead, we see it on Monday nights. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just easier that way. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, if, if the tool is there for you to, to watch it at a different time, you're going to take advantage of it. It's yeah. just that simple. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, you wanted to talk to Denver Comic-Con. Yeah, so the, yeah. The, the, list is, the list is growing, but I, I do think and I, I kind of want to wrap in Justin's home con on this for e Emerald City. Emerald City did very well. Yeah. Oh, fact, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, and it, I, it, maybe you can weigh in on this, Justin, but my sense of it was that there was as much news and interest in Emerald City as there was in WonderCon. Yeah, that sounds fair. I mean, and it's, I, I think that is kind of the new model here, that the gravitational pull of San Diego doesn't change, but the no. number of regional cons has, you know, have, it, it has publishers and networks making hard decisions about where to go and what to do, and creators are making hard decisions about where to go and what to do, and the ones that really want all of these extra cons are the creators, especially like the artists who bring, you know, they want to go, they want to do commissions, they want to earn a little extra cash. In fact, somebody, we don't, nobody's named names, but C.B. Sobolski, the guy who's the talent coordinator for Marvel, was tweeting out during WonderCon about somebody, we don't know who, but I, and it turned out it was multiple people who were showing up both at Emerald City and at WonderCon doing commissions trying to make extra money while they still had deadlines for Marvel they hadn't met. And Ooh. he was pissed Ooh. and tweeting about it. So I, I, I do think there is... Kind of the we're in this weird convention bubble. Um, yeah. Also, Denver is dealing with that by being very, um, very open and trying to cater specifically to cosplayers, which is uh, causing a lot of controversy with some creators. I've done some video on this. Pat Broderick, yeah. you know, maybe. one of your first videos was on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I and I think it's I think it's nonsense. Frankly, and and our buddy Jeff Muller, you know, um, at, at the Comic Corner podcast, was kind of talking about this when um, what's his name, the old Star Wars uh, artist, ah, I forget his name, but uh, was complaining about this too. And you'd be like, it's the old argument where what you're saying to people who show up at cons is you're doing it wrong, and there's nothing right. more douchey than trying to tell somebody who's just trying to have a good time that you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, and you know what? I mean, I get the argument they're making, but I think they there is 
another side to it. And what Denver is doing is trying to figure out how to accommodate the creators by making lanes wide enough so cosplayers can show up, they can do their thing, they can stop for photos, and pose, and, and do their thing, and not block like creator tables so they can get their commissions. And they can, So they're trying to accommodate both. They have a pretty good crowd. Last year's numbers were very solid. It was close to, it was over 80,000. So they could, I, I, I won't be surprised if they end up hitting that number again. Okay. Although it was so huge, it, it could back off a little bit. I don't think the guest list is quite as good. Um, and the number of great cons out there, like an Emerald City, like a C2E2, makes it tough to draw you know, all of the publishers and creators you want to get. But still, I, I do think you're going to do very well with it. It's towards the end of May. I'll be covering it. I'll be sending you guys everything I get. So awesome. as for always, you know, geek powers unite. You know, if you get it at the full bleed, you can get it at Geek Legacy and Sci-Fi Talk. So, you know, we're, we're all... Um, in this together, as it were. Well, that's that sounds good, and and I certainly want to just chime in again. Uh, don't don't ignore New York Comic Con in October. Uh, yes, that's another. Yeah, and that uh, one actually has its own gravitational pull now. Yeah, it does. It does. It's actually if they if they keep it in October, it really makes a nice close yep. to the year. Yep. Uh, you know, and the and the weather is not as you know as heinous as as it is right now in April, believe it or not. So uh, I, I think it, it's a good thing. I think it's been ignored way too long, and last year's numbers were amazing. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that the studios wake up with that. Daredevil was there, but made their access to press very very limited, which I uh, didn't understand. But uh, but they can, did have. Uh, a, can I touch have, on the cosplay stuff really fast? Sure, go ahead. Please, please. honestly, touch, it's. Touch. It's my favorite part of any convention is the cosplay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, me personally, I don't dress up, but it really reminds me that I'm in a place where everyone belongs, and that's like the coolest part. I, I two two major things that I have to do when I'm at a convention, and that is a look at every single cosplayer that I ever walked by me, <laughs> and two uh, just kind of peruse the tables and see what everybody's up to, because that's where yeah. you get a lot of interesting folks, a lot of uh, up-and-coming artists, or people you just, you know, they're from the other side of the country, so you wouldn't otherwise see them, yep. and, and right. it's a lot of fun. And uh, there is an etiquette when it comes to cosplay, you know, if you see somebody that's dressed up in this sweet-ass outfit, but they're enjoying their lunch, you don't stop them and say, hey, let me get a photo with you or anything right, like right, that, you right. know? So there's definitely some protocol when it comes to cosplay, and I think if most people pretty much stick to that, and, and if when they don't is when the aisles get a little clogged up. You know, right. there's plenty of open areas at conventions where make for perfect opportunities for photo ops. So, yep. um, you know, if, if, it's a, if there's a crazy table and it's cramped, it makes sense not to stop somebody and say, hey, let me get your photo really fast. Right, yep. right. But um, that's just the way it goes. It's the nature of the beast. And unfortunately, there are some people out there that are a bunch of grumpy gooses that want to complain because they're not getting their $20, $50 for whatever convention. I get that they're there to make money, but at the same time, there's 130,000 people that are there to have a good time. Right, one hundred thirty thousand is more than the one person. So yeah, and and I do think that there is a way to to, to figure it out. So I mean, that's going to be the test. You know, can Denver kind of figure that out because they've done a very good job of catering to cosplayers. I do think they should continue to do that for all the reasons you just said, Justin. 
And because it just it makes the environment so much more fun when you have a lot of cosplayers. It's just more fun. Yeah, um, I think WonderCon even had like a red carpet thing where you had the the logo nice. behind you and you could walk up and then people could take your photos. So that oh, that nice. was perfect for cosplayers. Awesome. Nice. That's great. That's a great idea. That That's is a great idea. idea. So you know, I mean, I I, I think it, it's. We'll see if they end up working it out. I think they will, but it's it's a it's a problem that's going to be ongoing for cons until they figure out the the commerce versus cosplay. Those two things should be they they shouldn't conflict. And the data says that they really don't. Like cosplayers spend money, so if you're not trying to figure out how to work with the cosplayers, then that's kind of on you if right. you're a creator. That's right. Like you could easily right. do a commission, for example. You could put up a sign that just says, "Cosplayers, you know, I can do a custom commission. Like, do a do a a drawing of the cosplayer in their costume. They right. you might sell That'd some awesome. really yeah. really spendy commissions just doing that. So I I know that it's out there, but you know, like the crowds and the the short like. You don't want anybody blocking tables, so I get that part of it, but like a True. wholesale complaint just doesn't make any sense. Right. I think he was just having a bad day. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Uh, <laughs> or he just chose prime real estate that's right in the path of everybody walking by. Could have been. <laughs> yeah. You could have been. I, you know, it's hard to say. Anyway. I, you know, I, I think it's extremely creative what cosplayers are doing, and uh, one of my favorite is the gender bending and and right. kind of making female Captain Americas and stuff like that. I saw a female Aquaman at Comic-Con, and she was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, I like that. And it is a, it is a creative form of expression. And right. uh, I, 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 you know, I agree with you guys totally. It's, it's a part of every convention. And I think, I, I mean, when I was going, it was very few people uh, years ago when I was much younger it was very few people did it, and I am just thrilled that it's become more mainstream and popular. And I, I just salute people's creativity uh, in really getting it out there. Uh, yeah. it, the only thing I would say is um, something to what to what Tim said uh, is also you know respect the ladies who dress in cosplay. Oh, totally. You know they're they're not dressed that way for you to grope or do anything inappropriate. Uh, right. They're there to express themselves and their characters. So give them the, give them the right and don't do anything that's unwelcome. So, right. uh, you know, I think most people do a great job of that, but there's always somebody that's, you know, going to do the wrong thing. And I know that Comic-Con and WonderCon and a lot of the conventions have a no-tolerance policy towards that. And you're out the door, and you might never see that door again. Right. Yeah. Cosplay is not consent. <laughs> I think yes. There you go. Yeah. Is that a shirt? That should be a shirt if it isn't. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Get man. it up on Geek Legacy. Justin, no, go. That's, that's not mine. That's what uh, I think I saw a sign in Emerald City that said that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I thought that was I a Geek Legacy. I giving away million-dollar ideas, but that is not one of mine. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to briefly talk about, I'll be covering uh, Tribeca Film Festival next week uh, here uh, in the New York City area, and hopefully we'll get some decent weather. Uh, and there's, just to go through some of the interesting things that are coming, first of all, there's two sit-down Q&As with George Lucas and also uh, Christopher Nolan, and Lucas is being moderated by Robert Colbert, so that should be a lot of fun. 
Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I am going to try to get on those red carpets, but it's going to be difficult, you know, frankly. Uh, you know, but as far as um, movies, just to name really just th uh, three that I'm really interested in. There's Emily about a babysitter who uh, who really kind of uh, goes the uh, kind of goes off in a really bad direction. I mean, there is a uh, a still from the film where she is lying on the bed and this little boy has a gun pointed to her head. Ooh. So so yeah, it's definitely a dark horror movie. And then there's Jack Rabbit, which is uh, kind of like a hacking computer type movie. But there's more to it than just hacking. Uh, and then lastly is, uh, I think, something that we'll see on um, sci-fi called uh, Shaman. And that is um, kind of bringing in religious and sci-fi elements together uh, in the shame, with the Shaman culture a little bit. And it takes place in the future. Uh, and also, I left one out, and The Survivalist is another post-apocalyptic uh, film. And... These are all made on a shoestring, uh, and occasionally good things happen, and Sci-Fi has picked up uh, Shaman, and we'll show that short uh, on there. And I hope to uh, speak to the director and some of the filmmakers, as I have, and actually I'll be showcasing on my podcast things uh, from last year as well that uh, for, uh, you know, for, from other directors and actors from last year's Tribeca as well. So... That'll be coming up, and I'm really looking forward to covering it again. This will be my third year in a row, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll see. There's some really good indie stuff there. You say shaman, I say shaman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, can, you can go either way. You can go either way. It's a potato kind of deal. That's so funny. you guys, uh, well, I want speaking of coming up, I want, go ahead, go ahead. Guys a, uh, I want to give you guys a comics recommendation, a sci-fi comic. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go. Because um, there's been a lot, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, there's been a whole bunch, a whole buttload of comics are being adapted for, for movies, and a lot of them are, we're getting a lot more in the independent realm, too. Um, I, I have some doubts about some of them. I think movie, I, I think studios are just snapping up whatever they can because it's, you know, it's it's the fear factor that, you know, anything could be the next thing, and so they're just snapping things yeah. up. But I I have to give Sony some credit here. Um, they snapped up Lemire and Wen's Descender, and I haven't read it yet. I've seen some sample panels of it, and it looks really good because it is the... It's a, a futuristic... It's a sci and I like sci-fi comics. Like, I like sci-fi movies. But I have a long history of... I like superhero comics, too, but I always loved sci-fi comics. And yeah. I still do. I still do. I'm a total sucker for, for sci-fi comics. So Descender... What a nerd. I know. I'm such, <laughs> such a nerd. Dare I say geek? Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, But anyway, Descender has a little bit of a Blade Runner feel to it in the sense that um, robots are outlawed. And uh, this robot that the story is about uh, is wakes up, I think it's something like 20 years later, uh, wakes up to realize that robots are outlawed, and so surviving in this new and very different world, uh, I, I think could be very interesting, very cinematic. Sony picked it up before the first issue came out. I'm a big fan of Lemire, uh, Jeff Lemire, from going back to 
you know, some of the independent comics he's done. I thought he did an amazing job on Green Arrow. He's currently writing all new Hawkeye for Marvel. Um, but he is one of those guys that has established himself well enough now that he's got his, you know, he, he's involved in a lot of different projects. This is his image book. Um, so if you like sci-fi comics, I, you know, may, maybe pick it up. There's a lot of them out there. I would be cautious of anything that anybody tells you is, it's going to be adapted from the screen. Yes, that may be an indicator that, it's just that, you know, it's formulaic rather than good. Um, but I don't think that's the case in, in, in Descender. Uh, so something to consider. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. I like robot stuff. Like that show, uh, Almost Human, remember that with Carl? Yeah, Urban? absolutely. Yeah, I like that show. We still yeah, like it. It, was, it was good. It had some, they, it was kind of weird in that uh, they missed the mark a couple of times, which yeah. lost people's interest and then ultimately got canceled, but. I definitely like the premise, <laughs> and I can I see do too. And the awesome. pilot was great. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very good. Yeah, we had spoken about that show before, and how if it was more just like a, a lethal weapon formula in a movie, then it probably would have been a huge hit. But yep, yep. Oh well, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yep, exactly. Actually, uh, there's one thing I do want to mention. Speaking of robots, at Tribeca, a new series is going to uh, have a red carpet. It's called Mr. Robot. And Christian uh, Slater is actually uh, in the uh, series uh, as well. Uh, and uh, additionally, there is the, uh, I believe, the world premiere of uh, Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger about a guy who has a, uh, a zombie wa a daughter. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like the governor's thing a little bit, maybe taking... Maybe kind of toned down a little bit from that craziness. He's kind of old for that role, though. He is uh, crazy, but don't you think though? I mean, that's a really interesting premise, and that's yeah. another one where Lionsgate not putting too much money out there, getting a guy that's has a vested interest in making a little bit of a comeback in Schwarzenegger, but he's got a big enough name to draw some diehards. Oh yeah, just pure. Yeah, I fucking love Lionsgate. Lionsgate is so smart. They are the smartest people in Hollywood. I'm convinced. <laughs> They are, dude. They got to figure it out, man. They really do. They, they are have, the smartest they, people in Hollywood. They got to be the most fan friendly uh, studio out there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah I mean, I love good. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll go, I see all of his movies in the theater, but when I just saw that he had like a. Because, what is it? It's Abigail Breslin, right? That's his daughter in the movie? Yeah. Right? yeah I think right. so. Got to be yes. like maybe 18 years old now. So, I don't. Yeah. It just seems kind of weird that they went with a 67 year old man to be her. I mean, it's totally possible. Like, yeah, it's not—it's yeah, not, it's not sure. out of the realm of possibility. Sure. It just surprises me that that's the the role that he took. I don't know. Cool, cool. No, that, that's that really kind of sums up, uh, you know, Tribeca, and I'm looking forward to uh, to covering that. Uh, just to mention on Comic Con, uh, as we tape this, the following day, uh, which is a Wednesday, is where the hotels go out. They've already had like a pre-sale. And those are never the hotels that are, uh, you know, essentially close to the convention center. Those are the ones, usually Mission Valley and that kind of thing for San Diego. And actually tomorrow is when the, you know, so get that speed dial ready because yeah. you're going to need it <laughs> to get in there. Yeah, and you're going to, and uh, I, the rates from what I've seen have kind of gone up a little bit this year, so, which is yeah. not surprising. Yeah, I think every year they're just gonna go up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. some kind of loyalty program where if you stay there once, then um, 
you know, we're guaranteed a room right. the next year. Yeah, that'd be, good. <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that sounds that sounds great. Um, briefly, I want to talk about uh, the uh, the Geek Initiative, which is something that we're launching on May fourth, which is Star Wars Day. And uh, essentially, uh, yeah, th there you go, Tatooine. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Welcome to Tatooine. Yes. <laughs> plenty of sandy beaches. No water, but plenty of beach. That's for sure. That's for sure. And not to mention the uh, the bright spot, Moise Eisley, the uh, a haven of scum and villainy. So there That's you right. go. That's right. That's a big tourist trap right there, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, but... You know, this is it really kind of came out from uh, us talking and, and kind of doing something together. So it just really briefly, we'll make a formal announcement, but uh, it's essentially a place where you can get content from all our blogs in one place, and you'll be able to subscribe to it. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, it, it, there is going to be a fee, but it won't be ridiculous. And there'll be some really good stuff because there'll be podcasts, There'll also be video in addition to uh, print. And we'll be making announcements as it goes along. And the beauty of it is, is that we look to add other blogs uh, and podcasters to the Geek Initiative as it moves on. Uh, so it is some good stuff. Um, I, I know you guys have some things planned for it. I've got some special podcasts and also be posting some pictures and things like that. Um, so I'm working uh, on the initiation process. It's going to get weird. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. Mine will be much more mundane, but I will have businessy stuff that you will not find anywhere else. So if you like the 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 business of genre entertainment, then you'll want to stay tuned. Do you like money? Do, Do you, you want to make a million dollars? <laughs> 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 you can leave this room right now. Yeah, there you go. Yes. There you go. Close the blinds and the curtains. Lock your doors. <laughs> you're gonna get some secret shit, and you're gonna walk away with a million dollars. Oh man! Yeah. But it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to kicking it off, and uh, there's some. Uh, I think you guys ha are gonna have some uh, some WonderCon and also Emerald City on there too, right, Justin? Yeah. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. Um, Dave was he got stuck. I say stuck, but he was. Uh, he was talking to one of the showrunners for Gotham, one of the executive producers, I forget his name, but we had touched on how that missed opportunity with a Scarecrow episode and how yeah. uh, Bruce fell down the cliff and could have easily fallen into like what could be the Batcave. Uh, yeah. And Dave asked him, like, you know, do you think that that was a missed opportunity? And, um, and the guy's like, oh, no, don't worry. We got, we got big things planned for that. So, oh, so, cool. Yeah, yeah so that was kind of cool, especially since uh, there was a gentleman that wrote to our show and asked us how we felt about that. Uh, yeah. I believe his name was Craig from Pennsylvania. And yeah, uh, so now we have a direct answer from the producer of the show. Nice. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. fun. That's yeah. nice. That's great. That's That that really piques my interest. Uh, so hopefully we'll see something before the season ends or uh, you know, did, did did they mention if this is going to end in a cliffhanger or not? Uh, I don't know. I was there, and the show bores me to death so much that I was half listening when David was talking. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. So is that on the latest uh, Geek Legacy episode? You know, uh, we talked about it last night, but I don't know if we were still recording when he oh, and I had this conversation. So, oh, all right. okay. 
All right. All right. Well, uh, so so keep uh, stay tuned, and then once uh, we launch it, launch it, uh, you will we'll give you updates on everything geek. Uh, I'd like to see everything geek on there as well, so people can uh, can literally view as much as exclusive stuff. But to get a whole bunch of things in one place is really a cool thing too. So I, I you know that's that's kind of like what I want to contribute to it as well. It's like to be able to listen to the Geek Legacy podcast and then, uh, you know, my interviews. And, uh, and I hope, Tim, that you also put in your video commentaries because they're awesome. Yeah, I'm going to put in a, I'm going to put in a few. Every, uh, every few videos are going to be just exclusive ad-free uh, to, to subscribers. So oh, when, go. we've got, when we've got some good, good stuff to, to talk about, we'll be throwing some, some video in there, some ad-free stuff. And, and the cool thing is, if if you tune in, if you go back every day, there's you know there's usually something going to be added. So this way, you'll get like all new content pretty much for all that 30 days on an average. So that's uh, that's that you know, there's a lot of good possibilities. We're very excited about it, and we'll have the formal announcement and kind of talk about it more on the next uh, Everything Geek once we do that. One stop uh, shop. One stop shop. Yeah. That's all Keep your geek needs in one place, right? Do you guys have anything you want to kind of throw out to the wind? Yes. Fit Fury okay. 7 came out this last weekend. Yes. Greatest, greatest movie ever made. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It was so good. Oh, my God. I loved every second of it from start to finish. I went to a screening last Wednesday, and holy shit, I was blown away from start to finish. And I loved every second of it. If if you haven't seen it yet, you're doing yourself a disservice. It is really? amazing. Yes. And even with Paul Walker, you know, like it, his last appearance on screen, that was that didn't tug at the heartstrings, or that oh was my God. part I of the awesomeness. The last four minutes of the movie, I was just sitting in my own tears. I was using my napkin that I had, like wiping off my popcorn grease. To dry my face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> it was beautiful. So did they address that? Yeah, they well, yeah, that they, movie? they kind of changed the story a little bit, but it's a beautiful send off, and okay. I couldn't be happier. And Good. The, the 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 computer imaging that they used to 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 replicate his face on his brother, uh, there was really only one part that it really noticed, and that was at the very like one of the closing shots. Oh, and okay. uh, it was just kind of done like in the oh he's so glorious kind of Paul Walker shot so that's why it kind of looked fake but uh, fight scenes uh, driving sequences whatever it looked amazing so I mean amazing, that amazing the, job uh, the parachute from the plane in the cars was oh uh, man oh I know and that's the thing with this with these movies right is each one outdoes the previous one with as far as stunts go so if this is the very first Fast and Furious movie you see then it'll just be like way over the top James Bond and that could never happen. But as you've been building up through this franchise for like the last, whatever, 14 years, you know, you're ready to accept that this is just the Fast and Furious world and any stunts that they do, then you just got to laugh and go with it. Because at one point, it's almost like they're making fun of themselves and, and it really works. You know, you just, yeah. you just it's, it's just a nonstop, wonderful ride and... Uh, Honestly, I loved every second of it, especially since Jason Statham's in it. 
And I can watch that guy beat the shit out of babies for two hours. And- oh. <laughs> I, I don't say them that much. And- I don't know about babies. But- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so toddler. How about that? And, oh, uh, man. And uh, the opening sequence with him, it, it's only like, like two minutes, but the first two minutes, you're just like, this is going to be the greatest movie ever made because Statham just kills it. He's, He's amazing. amazing. I yeah. love, it, does I look, it, it does look like like the way they've done the teasers with some of the lines. And my favorite one is still with The Rock, with, you know, with... What is it? They the off-screen voice. Did you bring the cavalry, woman? I am the cavalry. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And then like when his arms in the cast, he just flexes, and the cast shatters and breaks off. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, it's awesome. And Statham fights both the Rock and Vin Diesel at different points in the crazy wow. fight scene. That is so crazy. Good. That is very crazy. Oh my god. So that's all I have to say. So was it is it same director who's going to be doing Star Trek? Is that the uh, same? Yeah, that's right. It is. Um, uh, Justin oh, Lin is that his name or Justin Lin? That's right. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't do he didn't do Furious Seven. So oh, he, oh, he did. didn't. No, James Wan directed Furious Seven. Oh, okay, okay. But but oh. Lin has done he's done previous ones. He's, so he's done the he's done the last uh, he did uh, started with Tokyo Drift and went all the way up to Furious Six. Okay. So he did three, four, five, and six. He did four movies. So That's my guess is that he was probably prepping for Star Trek, which is what yes, it must be. Yes. He was ready to move on. But he's so, an amazing uh, director. Speak- he knows how to do an action sequence. So whatever whatever oh. the next Star Trek movie has in store for us, yeah, um, we'll see. I think it's going to be visually spectacular. Okay. Uh, we have, speaking of which, uh, CBS is talking about bringing Star Trek, uh, Star Trek series back. Uh, there was rumors of it going to Netflix. Uh, haven't heard it. Uh, as far as the movie, Simon Pegg is writing the screenplay with a co-writer. Uh, rumor has it it might be Edgar Wright. Uh, and uh, additionally, it looks like Idris Elba is going to be cast. And he also quashed the rumor that he's not going to be a Klingon. So you know. He's going to be the villain, but we don't know what he's going to be yet. Yeah, I I mean I love Idris Elba. So he's great. great. Yeah, he is great. So you know, absolutely. Uh, whatever he's in is usually pretty good. By the way, Luther is pretty badass. There yeah, you go. Seen, I mean that yeah, that is go. one of the that's one of the best shows at the BBC. Oh my god! Yeah, he's amazing. In, in he's Luther. really amazing in that. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I you know I I don't know I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. It'll be the first of the new ones of the mm-hmm. of this new series. It'll be the first post Nimoy Star Trek. So that yeah. makes me sad, but yeah. I, but I hold out some hope for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, losing him was um, was uh, you know Star Trek as a family, and anytime you lose anybody connected with the show from the original series, especially, you know, it was uh, it's you know. It's a it's a blow. I mean, he. Uh, I was so lucky to have talked to him. Uh, you know, those interviews get more and more precious when you lose people. And, of course. You know, but he was so cordial, and we had some laughs. And uh, you know, that's actually going to go down as one of my favorites of all time because I bet. You know, I was a fan of the show from way back, and to uh, you know, his loss would be felt, and the fact that he also touched the Fringe universe too was really cool. And yeah. Yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been, 
I've actually been uh, re rerunning podcasts because we're celebrating our 10th anniversary, and I've been rerunning podcasts of the last roundtable from Fringe, which uh, which was cool. And nice. It was, oh, really yeah, it I was sad, but oh. it was sad being there. It really was. It was hard. It was a hard one, and uh, it's always tough when you go to the last one. And of course, uh, you know. But just briefly, I want to talk about. Uh, you know, I got an email from Google, and they said, "Hey, your site is not." Uh, mobile friendly so what I did was I said hey I gotta I gotta do something about that so I changed the format for mobile and uh, essentially for mobile what you get is uh, let me show you let me go screen share here and this is what it looks like can you guys all see this yes so essentially this is what it looks like uh, on your phone oh, nice. so instead of like uh, the uh, the home page is very different but it's content driven so if you click on like this one here this story on the uh, Stanley actually let me go to another one uh, where is uh, I think this is one of yours Justin here maybe it is so I think this one is from Geek Legacy it takes a little while to download here but uh, so it's those no, from Comics Alliance so essentially you'll see the story uh, and then, you know, it, since I do have a curated blog, it will take you to the full story. Uh, but you'll get the, uh, you know, a summary of what's about. And then uh, you'll see a podcast on there, too, that you can listen to. And this is on Fringe's last uh, roundtables oh. that it's out for this month. So you can you press this, and then you see the player. And then here is Everything Geek Episode 18. So you'll get video podcast and the story on each page in mobile and wow. then you can also share that on Twitter, stumble upon Reddit, Pinterest and Facebook at the bottom. Nice. And then nice. you go back to the main menu. So uh so yeah, this is a it debuted and it, it's cool because it really gives uh you can literally take sci-fi talk on the go and I wanted it where you can watch videos and if it's a YouTube video, it will default to the uh, player uh, for um, for mobile. So it's you know it's really it it just makes it a, a lot cooler. Uh, it just really gives it uh, you know something you know gives it more value and really gives. Literally, you can take Sci-Fi Talk with you on the go. Uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun putting it together and a lot of work, but. Uh, <laughs> but I'm but I'm glad I, I'm glad it's done actually. So yeah, I me, bet. Uh, yeah, it was it was hard finding the right theme. I got to get back here before we get that that you know that picture within a picture within a picture. Yeah, you got the you got the Doctor Who wormhole. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Now we're back. But um, but yeah, it's 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 been cool, and uh, you know I'll be happy to. We're gonna once we get done here, we're gonna talk about it because uh, I'd like to see you guys uh, join. It, it's it is w the way people are going. They're using their phones for everything, uh, and it's not just making calls. It's uh, internet, and you know, the, the, a mobile theme that is easy and to access and concentrate on what you do, which is your content, is essential for every blog. Otherwise, uh, they won't essentially they won't market as a as a mobile friendly site, which is uh, and that can end up hurting you. So, right. uh, I had I had to jump on that. That's, people people don't use their cell phone to make calls anymore. It's just about yeah. internet and email and text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah. much it. 
and occasionally a phone call, but uh, you know, it's not the uh, w with texting especially, you don't have to call as often. So I mean, right. it's uh, yeah. Well, and if you're me, it's to listen to the Geek Legacy and, and Sci-Fi Talk podcast. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. You can do that, too. So, uh, I mean, yeah, the podcast will be available, and these videos will be available as well. So uh, it, it's great. I'm really looking forward to seeing more uh, reaction. Uh, I, I just briefly want to say thanks to all the new uh, viewers from London and, and England that I've been getting, the uh, the, uh, the Boy, I lost track of what I was going to say there, but uh, I, I'm really happy that you're watching and listening, and thank you. Really appreciate that. And thank you for all the listeners. Uh, we've done, we've done, I think, respectable numbers on these shows, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, you guys have, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get that in. We've got Tribeca and, you know, Comic-Con, uh, folks, now is the time to get a handle on that because it can easily get away from you. Uh, and, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to be mayhem. Have that phone number for travel planners on speed dial because that's really the only way. The Internet is actually so, so too slow for that. Uh, it, it, they said they recommend you do you call in instead. So they're actually here on Park Avenue, which is not far. <laughs> you know, I could go there practically, but no, they won't do that. Nothing it's like person. trying to win a radio contest. you got to be like caller number 106 or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're kidding. <laughs> You ain't kidding. So uh, we we've got Age of Ultron, which will probably run be you know run after we do the next one. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Every every commercial looks really cool, uh, and you know Josh just knows these characters and what they're doing. So I, I I'm looking forward to what's going to happen there. Oh, big time, big time. That's that's going to be awesome. Here, there's my. There you go. There, there it is. That. There's the Avengers. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there fine. you go. And and the Geek Initiative will assemble in uh, in May as well. So uh, yeah, there that's go. some good things happening in May. Now if we only get the weather cooperating, we're in great shape. Yeah. But, uh, but I I think we're there, guys, for today. Uh, but really want to thank you guys as always for joining me, uh, Justin Cavender from GeekLegacy.com. Bye bye. Thanks. Yay. <laughs> and also uh, Tim Byers from thefullbleed.net. And uh, both those blogs, by the way, are must-sees. And, you know, if you get the, if you get the initiative, uh, you'll see what I mean. Uh, to have that all in one place is going to be awesome. Yeah. You bet, man. All of your dreams will come true. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I also want to say thanks to Tim Byers for joining us as well. Hey, no problem. It's fun, man. I, I love doing always, this every month. Yeah, it's always a blast. It really is. Well, for uh, the uh, geek, for everything geek and the upcoming geek initiative, this is Tony Tolado, and thank you all for watching and listening. We need more of you to watch, but we really thank those who keep listening to it on a uh, monthly basis. All right, everybody, take care. <laughs>